overlooking the azure blue waters of the famed Sea of Galilee is the most historic landmark, the Mount of Beatitudes. Like a living sentinel with an eyewitness testimony, this silent friend seems to declare to one and all, here it was that the greatest person who ever lived delivered the greatest sermon ever given, the Sermon on the Mount. Instinctively, the visitor opens his Bible to the book of Matthew, and there he reads that when Jesus beheld the multitude, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them. Among the most significant truths which he taught was this phrase, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way, which leadeth unto destruction, and many there be who go in thereat. For straight is the gate, and narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Ageless in its impact, this truth has guided wise men through the generations of time. When Jesus himself walked the rock-strewn pathways of the Holy Land, he, as the Good Shepherd, directed men in that narrow way, showed unto them that straight gate that they might inherit eternal life. Come, follow me, he invited. I am the way. Little wonder that men did tarry for the outpouring of the Holy Ghost on that day of Pentecost, it was the gospel of Jesus Christ that was to be taught, his work that was to be done, and his apostles whom he had called at the head of his church, to whom the work was entrusted. Historians record, unfortunately, that most men did not come unto him, did not walk in that narrow way. In fact, crucified was the Lord, slain were the apostles, Rejected was the truth, and the bright day of enlightenment just slipped away, and the lengthening shadows of a dark night enshrouded the earth. One word, and one word alone, describes the condition which prevailed, apostasy. But then didn't Isaiah, years before, declare that darkness would cover the earth and gross darkness the people? And wasn't it Amos who spoke of a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord? And the Apostle Peter, he predicted that false teachers would introduce damnable heresies. And the Apostle Paul said that the time would come when men would not endure sound doctrine. The Dark Ages seemed to last forever. No wonder that men did cry out, Has God forgotten us? Will he send forth no heavenly messengers as in former times? Eventually, honest men, brave men, at the peril of their own lives, began to reach out for points of reference. The day of the Reformation was dawning, but the way ahead would be perilous and the cost impossible to calculate. Personally, 
I look upon the great reformers somewhat like pioneers, blazing a wilderness trail in search for those lost points of reference which they felt, if found, would lead men back to the truths which Jesus taught. For example, take Wycliffe. Wycliffe and his followers completed the translation into English of the Holy Bible from the Latin Vulgate. At that time, the Bible had been a closed book, forbidden to be read by common men. Wycliffe had to make every copy by hand and in secret, and he and his followers were persecuted and many of them slain. When I think of the Reformers, I think of Martin Luther. Luther advocated the supremacy of the Holy Bible. He compared the doctrines and the teachings and practices of the Church with the Holy Word of God as found in the Bible. He was a great advocate of the responsibility of the individual and the right of the individual conscience. At great peril and great risk, he declared, Here I stand. I can do not otherwise. God help me. John Huss, he exposed the sin and the corruption within the Church, and he was promptly taken out beyond the city to be executed. He was chained by the neck to a stake, and wood and straw were piled all around his body, right up to the chin, and then resin was poured on the straw and the wood, and he was ordered to recant. When he refused, the flames arose. John Huss sang, but the wind blew the fire into his face, and his voice was forever stilled. Zwingli of Switzerland, he believed that he must rethink all Christian doctrine in terms of biblical terms. His most famous statement comes to the heart even today. What does it matter, he declared, they can kill the body but they cannot kill the soul. And for a one-line phrase, which I love to remember, I think of John Knox, the great reformer who declared, a man with God is always in the majority. Others could be mentioned, but let me just add the words of William Tyndale. Tyndale felt that the common man ought to have an opportunity to know what God had promised him in the Holy Scripture. To those who would frustrate his work of translation, Tyndale declared, If God spare my life, I will cause that a boy that driveth the plow shall know more of the Holy Scripture than thou doest. Such were the teachings, such were the lives of the great reformers. Their deeds were heroic, their contributions many, and their sacrifices great. But they did not restore the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well might you ask, were their deeds in vain? Were their sacrifices futile? To which I would respond with a resounding, no. As a result of the work of the Reformers, the Bible was now available to the common man. Each man could better find his own way. Oh, if only all could read and all could understand. But some could read. Others could hear, and now every man knew that he had access to God through personal prayer. At length, 
that glorious day of the restoration did come. And oh, what a day it was. To describe this most significant event in the history of the world, I have chosen to share with you the words of that plowboy who became a prophet, the eyewitness who was there, even Joseph Smith. But let him tell his own story. Joseph declared that in the place where we lived, there was great excitement on the subject of religion, causing division amongst the people, some crying out, Lo here, others, Lo there. Said he, One day while I was reading in the epistle of James, first chapter, fifth verse, which reads, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. Joseph said, Never has a passage of scripture entered the human heart with such power as this scripture did to mine that day. Said he, It seemed to penetrate with such force as to affect every feeling of my heart. I reflected upon it again and again, realizing that if anyone needed wisdom from God, I did. At length, said he, I came to the determination that I must either remain in darkness and confusion or else I must do as James directs, that is, ask of God. So in accordance with this my determination to ask of God, I retired to the woods to make the attempt. It was on a beautiful, clear day early in the spring of 1820. Joseph said, I kneeled down and began to offer up the desire of my heart unto God. When I saw a pillar of light exactly over my head, above the brightness of the sun, which descended gradually until it fell upon me. When the light rested upon me, I saw two personages whose brightness defy all description standing above me in the air. One of them spake unto me, called me by name, and said, pointing to the other, This is my beloved Son. Hear him. God the Father Jesus the Son had appeared to Joseph Smith. The bright day of the restitution of all things, the dispensation of the fullness of times, had dawned, dispelling forever the dark ages of spiritual night. As in the creation, light followed darkness, day replaced night. And from that time until this, men have had access to the truth. There is no need for you or me to wander in a wilderness as did the children of Israel when there is available to each one of us today a personal promised land of truth. When one understands the restoration of the gospel of Christ, he is not affected by the despair and the disillusionment adequately described by one of the famed educators of America, Dr. Robert Gordon Sproul. He had looked at the churches of our country 
And he declared, in America, we have the interesting spectacle of a nation which to a limited extent practices Christianity without actively believing in Christianity. We are asked to turn to the Church for our enlightenment, but when we do, we find that the voice of the Church in all too many instances is not inspired. Frequently today, we find that the voice of the Church is the echo of our own voices, and the result thereof already manifest is disillusionment. Sproul went on to say, the way out is the sound of a voice, not our own, coming from a source not ourselves, in the existence of which we cannot disbelieve. It is the duty, said he, of the pastors of our land to hear that voice, to cause others to hear it, to tell us what it says. If they fail to hear it, or if they fail to tell us what it says, we as laymen are wholly lost. Without it, we are no more capable of saving the earth than we were of creating it in the first place. Another great person, even better known, Sir Winston Churchill, described one of the most pressing needs of the world when he spoke and declared, I have lived perhaps longer experience than anyone, and I have never brooded over a situation, said Churchill, which required more patience, more composure, courage, and perseverance than that which unfolds itself before us today, the need of a prophet. Today, my brothers and sisters and friends everywhere, we have heard from a prophet of God, even President Spencer W. Kimball. Today, there goes forth from this pulpit an invitation to one and all. Come from your wandering way, weary traveler. Come to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come to that heavenly haven called home. Here you will be taught the truth concerning the Godhead, the reality of the resurrection, the comfort of the plan of salvation, the dignity and sanctity of the marriage covenant, the power of personal prayer. Oh, come home. You and I may remember the little story from our boyhood days of the little fellow in Europe who was kidnapped from his parents, from his home, and taken to a remote village. There he was reared in very unusual circumstances. He was never permitted to know his own name, the names of his parents, never permitted to know the name of the village from whence he had come. At length, there developed within the young man's heart a desire to return to that place called home. But where was home to be found? Oh, if only he could remember his name or the names of his parents, his task would be less hopeless. In vain, he sought to remember just a glimpse of his childhood. Suddenly, like a ray of inspiration, there came to his mind a memory, the sound of the village bell, which pealed its welcome every Sabbath morning from its position in the bell tower atop the village church, bidding one and all to come unto Christ. The young man with excitement in his heart 
began to visit every village in the land, listening to every bell that pealed. Oh, if only one could be the bell of home. Each was different, some similar, none quite the same. At length, the young man stood in a typical village before a typical church on the Sabbath day and waited for the bell to chime. Suddenly, it began to peal its welcome. The young man turned his ears toward the bell tower. This bell had a familiar sound. Could it possibly be the one that he remembered in the memory of his childhood? Indeed, it was. Its ring was true. The young man dropped to his knees. Tears brimmed in his eyes. His heart overflowed with gratitude. And he looked up beyond that bell tower into God's own heaven and from the depth of his soul whispered, Thanks be to God, I'm home. Like the sound of a remembered bell will be the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ to him who earnestly seeks. Many of you may have wandered long in search for that which rings true. Today, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints sends unto you this personal appeal. Open your doors to the missionaries. Open your minds to the truths of the gospel which they teach. Open your hearts, even your souls, to the sound of that still, small voice which testifies of truth. And then you will appreciate the words of Isaiah when he declared, Thine ears shall hear a word, saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. Having thus found the narrow way, having thus entered by the straight gate, you will drop to your knees as did the boy of whom I have spoken, and your eyes will brim with tears, your heart will fill with gratitude, and you too will look toward God's heaven, and from the depth of your soul whisper as did he, Thanks be to God, I'm home. May all of us have this blessing of finding our home. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord, our Savior. Amen. Amen.